Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Amen. Well, it's a real privilege today to have Pastor Richard Green uh, with us to minister the Word of God. Richard and his wife, Kathy, are the senior leaders of C3 Church in Ride in Sydney. Uh, Richard and Kathy planted C3 Church a ride in 1999 and since then the church has grown to over a thousand people. Uh, Richard has over 25 years of experience in ministry. They're uh, supporting leaders but, but also have a very strong church planting ministry as a church and in their own ministry. They've planted over 100 churches in nations like uh, Russia, Ukraine, Syria, Indonesia and other uh, parts of the world. And um, He's, the, he, he's willing to travel to nations very few people have traveled, traveled to, but uh, he's also planted a church or been involved in, in one of the churches in Naples in Italy. Amen. So, um, and uh, he's actually involved with a, a person called, a pastor called Daniele Scarallo, which is uh, the, uh, the nephew of one of the founders of, of, uh, of this particular church here. Um, he's a great passion for the kingdom. Uh, had the privilege of uh, speaking to him on the phone, I don't know, was it over 18 months ago? I don't know when it was, when I tried to get him here. We've tried, tried to get him here a few times, and here he is today. And uh, he is the real deal. Spent the day with him yesterday and just sharing his experiences. I've been really blessed and encouraged and motivated to hear the stories and what he's doing is just outstanding in the different nations of the world. So would you just give him a, a big, warm uh, Life Church welcome as he comes to minister the word here today. Amen. Good morning, Life Church. Oh my goodness, I've heard so much about you, I've been longing to be here. You don't believe me. This is my hometown. I was born in Adelaide, I grew up in Adelaide, not far from uh, you guys, and um, I uh, moved to Sydney, oh, gee, a very long time ago, 35 years ago. And I just say to people, please don't bury me in Sydney. I want my bones to go home. <laughs> Adelaide's a cracker of a place. It's just a beautiful, beautiful place. And um, to be in this church is a great privilege. Yesterday, Joe was taking me around and I was just overwhelmed by the photos on the wall and the heritage that's in this place. It's special. Look, it is special. Um, and this morning, I, I, the photo, I took one of the photos of the photos out there and I sent it to my friend Daniela in Naples. And I said, do you recognise this guy? It's his uncle. And he said, where are you? And I said, I'm in heaven. <laughs> where the pastor is perfect. It's uh, just is a great pleasure to be here. The presence of the Holy Spirit in this place is, wow, it really is special. It would be wrong for me to say that if I didn't believe it. So that's not a pastor's talk. Like the sense of the presence of God here, even in your first service with the older generation, that was beautiful. It was just really precious, very precious. The Lord has a plan for you as a church. 
and it's a tad scary. The Lord's going to use you. Um, I had a sense in the first service that what happened with that generation that began this, they moved from Italy to here. But I get a sense that in your future, and it's not far off, that there's going to be a whole lot of sending from here to there. Now, what form it takes, I don't know. I do know that you need a really strong team, base team here. But I think the Lord is doing something. You have been hidden. In many ways, you've been hidden from a whole lot of stuff. Hidden, like, I've, I've had conversations with people say, have you heard about that church in the centre of Adelaide? Been going on for years. It's an Italian church. But they've, they've got this, these English congregations that are booming. Go, really? And finally, I'm here. And you can sense the spirit of the living God here. It is precious and beautiful. So Holy Spirit, open our hearts. Your word is, your word is not just a good word. Your word is God-breathed. One word from you, Lord, today changes us. And so, Lord, our ears are open, hearts ready, we're positioned. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I want you, uh, we're going to read the scriptures, and uh, that's a good thing to do, yeah? I could stand here for 30 minutes and give you a motivational uh, speech, but I think it's better if we talked about the scriptures, yeah? So we're going to read from, Roman, uh, from Revelations 3.20. It says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door... I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Isn't that a glorious passage? The whole image of Jesus coming and eating with us and us with him. Glorious. Now this passage is often used in evangelistic settings where it's used for non-Christians. Jesus is knocking, open, invite him in. Yes, it is true that is relevant in that place, but that's not the reason it was written. This passage was written to churches. It wasn't written to non-Christians. It was written to churches. The Lord is knocking. He's knocking for us. He's knocking for me. And the key is, it says, those who hear and open the door. You can't open a door unless you hear. Now, I think men are shocking listeners and seers. Right, I go to my drawer to look at my socks and think, where are my socks? That special pair of socks. I'm looking, I'm looking. And my wife comes over and she opens the same drawer and goes, boom. And I think, you put that there. <laughs> Domestic blindness. You know, sometimes we can be watching, and, and I've done this many times, watching sport or whatever. I love the beloved crows. Yeah. That's like speaking in tongues in New South Wales, I've got to tell you. <laughs> and... I'm, I'm watching, 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 and my wife comes in and goes, blah, 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 and I go, ha, ha, yeah, yeah, right, 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 <laughs> right. And then about, you know, five minutes later, she comes in and goes, mm, 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 and I go, yes, yes, of course, of course, of course, yes, 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 right. Then the third time she comes in and it's a bit louder in volume. <laughs> yes, of course, of course, right. And then from the kitchen, Richard, 
dinner's ready! Whoa. She said, didn't you hear me the other three times? And I said, I, I was listening but not hearing. We are surrounded by a thousand noises. We are living in a day and age where we are absolutely fractured in our reflexivities, all the, in, the spontaneous thoughts that are in our head because of all the information that's coming in. Facebook, Instagram, social media, you got emails, you got everything. Man, I'm communicating overseas. I have to use Signal, Telegram, WhatsApp. I use other things to try to keep me safe. And people are shooting stuff at me left, right and centre. And whew, that's progress. Is it really? We're always connecting but never connected. We're always communicating but never relating. And in the midst, he's knocking. He's knocking. He's knocking for us who've been Christians for a long time. And he's knocking. And if we can hear, we're halfway there. Because you can't open the door if you don't hear. You just can't. Now this passage was written to what well, was it John the Apostle who had the vision and he wrote it down he's, he's in exile he's on, uh, on an island and he wrote to the seven churches or the Holy Spirit to the seven churches seven great churches wonderful churches and I'm going to read a passage which was written to the church that he was the fondest of you know, when John was older, tradition says that they loved him so much that they wanted to hear his voice. So they would drag him out. He couldn't walk. They'd drag him out on something equivalent to a, um, what do you call it? A, um, yeah, not a wheelbarrow. <laughs> uh, a stretcher. <clears throat> a stretcher. And they'd ask him to speak and he would just say the most important thing my beloved children, is to love. What I have learnt myself, you know, I'm in my 60s now, <clears throat> um, of the older you get, the more you realise how important the simple things in life are. Just the simple things. <clears throat> simple things. Like bread. And carbohydrates. And pasta, and kebabs, and euroses, and pizza. I'm kidding. It's the stuff that's, you know, just a simple thing, spending time with people, love. Now, he loved the church in Ephesus. <clears throat> now, Ephesus was a bit of a mess. There was a whole lot of migration of people. <clears throat> They were under a lot of persecution. Some people got out of Rome. There was all sorts of stuff. It was a big city. And this is what he says and writes, and this is what the Holy Spirit said to that church. Revelations 2, verse 2 to 6. <clears throat> says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people 
that you've trusted those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them wanting and false. You have persevered and endured hardship for my name and you've not grown weary. Now, if there's an ever a definition of an awesome church, that's it. They worked hard, they persevered, they suffered persecution, they were made sure they were holy, they didn't put up with superficial stuff. To me, that sounds like the perfect church, yeah? And so they're applauded for that. And then it says this, yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken your first love. You've forsaken your first love, the love that you had right at the beginning where you first fell in love with me. Yes, you've got all this great stuff going on and it's magnificent and wonderful, but the most important thing, in all of your good stuff and all of your great serving and all that you've done, you're giving, you're going out of the way for all sorts of things, just, but you've forgotten something. I've been a Christian a while and sometimes I say to my wife, why is it so hard to do good? And I've got to tell you at times, <clears throat> I don't want to be a pastor. Just for a few moments. Because I would really like to give people a laying on of hands. You know, this is true. I, I went to the fish market at, at Christmas. I've never done it. I did. I thought I'd, everyone does it. I'll do it once. I'll never do it again. I tell you, oh my. So I get down there and I, I'm going around and around and around and around trying to find a car park. <clears throat> Finally, there's a car. I've been, you know, when you sit there and you wait and wait and wait. I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm praying, praying, waiting, waiting, waiting. And then finally this car pulls out. And I think, great. Now it's my car park. It's mine, because that car's there and I'm here. And they pull out and around comes me this French car, a Peugeot, and poof, in the car park. And I thought, you arrogant French person. <laughs> and they had on the back of the thing, oh, we love France or something like that, right? I was so angry. I prayed for that in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I was so angry. I was so angry. I thought, right, I walked around that car park. Once I got a car park and I found that car and I walked past it many times. <laughs> I thought, right. And I had a bag of lemons and I thought, right, I'm going to shove a lemon up your exhaust pipe. <laughs> and I was about to do it and I thought, Richard, you can't do that, you're a pastor. <laughs> and I said to my wife, I was so angry, I just didn't want to be a pastor just for a few seconds to do that. And she said, Richard, it's not about being a pastor. You're meant to be a Christian, by the way. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> but, you know, we can be working and serving and loving and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I work in the Arab world. Oh, my goodness. I thought Southern Italians were bad. <laughs> the Arabs, oh, my goodness. They don't talk, they shout. And sometimes I really do want to lay hands on people. 
What I'm saying is I'm exaggerating, of course, right? In all of us, we do stuff that is important. But in doing the important stuff, what can happen is we forget our first love. And the Lord is knocking right now today. Can you hear me? And will you open the door of your heart? And that's for us who are believers. Now, here's this church in Ephesus, and I look at that and think, they are a gold star church, yet they forgot something. They forgot their first love. What does it profit you and I if we have the greatest ministry and do incredible things, yet we lose our soul through a whole lot of Christian activity? We've got to come back to our first love. I want to read to you from Luke 22, verse 24 to 30. It says, now let me give you some context. So this is just after Jesus in the other Gospels. If we look at what happens in the other Gospels, Jesus has washed their feet. He's actually the Last Supper, all of that stuff, right? He's demonstrated, he's talked to them about love. He's demonstrated what love is, right? He's showed them all, okay? He's just finished all of that. And then it says, Luke 22, 24, I love it. Also, a dispute arose among them. He's just demonstrated what's the important thing. And it says immediately, also a dispute amongst them began about who's the greatest. Oh, my goodness. If I were Jesus, I would have gone... But that's me. Do you know, there's always going to be a dispute. There's always going to be a dispute in church. There's always going to be issues. In my head, there's all 100 disputes. And it's all about what's fair, who's equal, who's this, well, they shouldn't have that, I should have this, all that stuff. It's It's life. And Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Now in this passage, it's beautiful. There's some construction in the language that's very intentional by Luke, the writer. He says you're not to be like that once and then he'll say you're to be like, uses to be like twice. You're not to be like that, but you are to be like instead the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. I'm just going to stop there for a second. Now, Luke is not... Matthew, Mark are Jews. They write from a different angle. Luke is a Gentile. So when Luke writes, he's writing as one who's an outsider. Because the early Christian church was predominantly Jewish, and Luke is an outsider. Now, Luke, the same section of passage occurs in Matthew and Mark about who's the greatest. But Luke writes from a different angle. And he is intentional in a word that he's going to use here. He's the only one who uses the word, you must be like the youngest. Now, this is significant. Now, there are three words that you could use in the Koine Greek for young. One is baby. One is like a child. And this is not that word. This is a word that is used for somebody between upper primaries, what we would call upper primaries, into early teens. I want to say to you, what were you like when you were 12? 
What were you like when you were 12? You're climbing trees and your mum's saying, get down, get down, you'll hurt yourself. And you're climbing the trees and you're riding the bike. Look, mum, no hands, no hands. Whoops, no teeth. You were trying everything. You're the kid, when you're 12 and 13, you're inquisitive, you try things, you take risks, you don't really care. Then you turn up at home with 20 of your mates and you just come straight in the home. I remember, I've got four young adults now. When they were with him when he's younger, he didn't end up with 20 young, kid, young boys, right? And they come in home and all of a sudden, it's like a vacuum cleaner. The fridge is emptied. Woof! Like they are introducing, including, inquiring, all of that stuff. You know what Luke is saying? Don't be like one of those stuffy old people who think they know it all and have got it all together and never take any risks. Be like that inquisitive, take risks, have a go, be willing to learn, include people. That's what he's saying. Because Luke felt like an outsider. Then he also says, and be like the one who serves. Now, here's the crunch. Verse 27 is what's really significant. I only saw this in the passage not that long ago. <clears throat> because I, when you read scripture, you know, you, you can read it a thousand times. And then the Holy Spirit will show you not a new revelation. Not something that no one else has discovered, but you'll see something that's clearly there that you've never seen. It's an aha uh-huh moment. So I had this aha uh-huh moment. Verse 27, which is staggering. He says, For who is the greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? Let's just stop there. I would have automatically said all these years of being a Christian, it's the one who serves. But what does Jesus say? Have a look at it. The one who is at the table or the one who serves? What does Jesus say? Not Richard Green, but Jesus. He says, is it not the one who's at the table? And he says, I'm amongst you as the one who serves. Let me illustrate it with a story. True story. A number of years ago, when I was first started to pass, we planted our church. I didn't think anybody knew me. And you will always have heroes. So I had this hero that, you know, pastor, an older guy who, who's written lots of books, travelled all around the world, a man of great faith, just a beautiful man. And we get this invitation that says, Richard Green is invited to blah, 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 his party. And I went, what? Now, I know about six Pastor Richards in Sydney. So I thought, well, they've sent it to the wrong one. So I was nervous. You don't want to turn up to a party where you're not really invited, do you? Well, that's like going to a fancy dress ball where they say, you know, it's all black suits or say a fancy black suits, but you think it's white suit. You're the only one who turns up with a white suit and everyone's got a black suit. It's like, you know, have you ever had the dream, those dreams when you turn up at a wedding, you've got no clothes on and everybody else has got clothes on? (laughs) Like, yeah! <laughs> no, that's just me. I'm very odd. <clears throat> so I get a friend, because I'm so paranoid, I get a friend to ring their office and check. And my friend says, no, it's for real. I said, what? I didn't trust my friend. So I went and got another friend. And I got them to ring. Because I was, oh, really, I, was, I thought, this is a mistake. And they said, no, it's right. So I said, wow. Okay, so I turn up... <clears throat> Make sure that, you know, I'm dressed appropriately, hopefully appropriately. I turn up and it's like, a, you know, one of those 
the table's all round and they've got name tags on them. So I come into the place and I'm looking at going one table. Oh, no name there. Go to the next one. No name. Whoops. No name. Get to about five tables. My name's not there. I'm freaking out. I think it is a mistake. So I think I'll just slowly disappear. No one can see me sneaking out. Because there's other pastors there and I don't, I don't want them to think, oh, you invited yourself. <laughs> sneaking out. <clears throat> and I'm sort of nearly out the door and the guy, the, 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 the person says, Richard! And I look around and go, where's Richard? Where's this Richard guy? <clears throat> Richard! Where's Richard? This, where's this Richard guy? Like, I was convinced I was not meant to be there. <clears throat> and then he sent one of the guys, someone, and they grabbed me by the arm, and they're pulling me. Come, come, come. I am freaking out. Because I thought, I'm really in trouble because I've invited myself to a party, and now they're mad with me, and they're going to, you know, ask me to leave, and, you know. And they sat me right next to the main guest, the, 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 the person of, that the party was about. Do you know what happens when you, that happens to you? You have two emotions. On the inside, you go, wait till I tell everybody. Selfie, selfie, selfie. Well, there's no selfies back then, but anyway. Aren't selfies weird? Like, if we took a selfie with a camera when I was growing up, we'd be considered... Who do you think you are? Can you imagine one of those Polaroids? Here, take a photo of me. It's weird. Don't we do strange things with social media? I never take a selfie this way, always this way, because otherwise you see my ghibli job. <laughs> this is slimming. <laughs> but it's all real. Anyway. <clears throat> so I have this incredible sense of, wow, I don't deserve to be here. I don't know how this has happened. And I'm sitting right on his table to his right-hand side. The, what other emotion do you have? Absolute terror. You have the two emotions, incredible joy and incredible, oh. So while I'm there, I'm watching, I think I've got to do something, you know, like, and he's drinking and as soon as his cup is empty, I'm pouring out and then, then if he runs out of a bread roll, I'll get my bread roll and I nick the other person's bread roll so he can have two bread rolls and then I'm going around moving the plates. It was one of those things, of chicken, beef, chicken, beef, chicken, beef. And I thought, does he like chicken or beef? And you know what happened? I am, I'm like the, the awesome servant. Here's the point. <clears throat> you don't serve to be great. And you don't serve to get to the table. But if you are privileged by being invited to the table, you can't help but serve. And that's what Jesus is saying. Your serving doesn't make you great. It's the invitation by the one who is amongst you as a servant that makes you great. And if you've been invited to the table by him, by his grace, how can you not but serve? Yes, you've persevered. Yes, you've endured hardship. Yes, yes, yes. But you forgot your first love. You forgot your first love. You don't serve to get to the table. But once you're invited to the table, how can you not serve? Think about Luke. 
he writes of two young men, Luke 18 and 19, and alongside each other, I think intentionally. The rich young ruler who thought he was good, who thought he kept all the commands, who was asked to give and could not give and went away sad. Right alongside another rich young guy called Zacchaeus, who knew he was no good, who knew he was a sinner, who was not asked to give, but gave. Because Jesus looked up at Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus, I'm inviting myself to your house today. And do you know the most profound thing about the story of Zacchaeus? Jesus did not ask him to repent. Yet he did. Jesus is coming to your house, whether it's tidy or not. Whether you've got the underpants in the drawers or they're hanging on the back of the couch. He's coming to you whether it's vacuumed or not vacuumed. And he's not waiting for you to get your diary out so you can whip home and clean everything up and shove all the rubbish in that other room that you've got. He's coming to your house now. Not because you're good enough. Not because you've worked hard enough. Not because you've served like crazy. But he's coming to you because he loves you and he's inviting himself to your house just like Zacchaeus. Lord, we pray we would never forget that what makes us great is not how much we do for you or how hard we've served, but what makes us great is you. And because of your great love, Lord, your grace has touched our hearts so profoundly, we can't help but serve. Father, I pray today... Amongst the group of this people, there will be some people who are tired and weary. And maybe they're tired and weary because they've been trying so hard to serve. And they have been serving. But they've forgotten, Lord. of your great grace and love for them. And you're standing right now and you're knocking. Some won't want to open the door because their house is a mess. It's not clean, not tidy. It's not the best house in the street. But you're knocking. And all you want them to do is open the door. You may have been a Christian a long time and you are serving, but you're weary. Maybe you like the church in Ephesus and you need to return to your first love. While every eye is closed, there are some of you that are hearing him knock. Don't wait to get your life perfect. Just open the door. Just open the door. Maybe you've never opened the door ever to Jesus. Or maybe 
You had the door wide open one day and you just slammed it because you just got fed up. Today, he's saying, open the door. I'm knocking. And I want to pray for you. If that's you, would you pop your hand in the air for me right now? Because I want to pray for you. You're hearing him. You're hearing him knock. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hands. Lord, thank you. And the Lord sees your hand. He's knocking. You need to return to your first love. I'm just waiting. He's even ringing. (laughs) Like really seriously, he's knocking. Can you hear him? You want to return to your first love. This is now, opportunity now, the Holy Spirit's at work here. I'm going to begin to pray for those people that have responded already, but as I'm praying, if you want to put your hand up, please, please, please. I am not praying for Ferraris or flash cars or wealth. I am praying for the most important thing in life, and that's for Christ to come in and eat with you. And he will hear this prayer. So as I pray, if you want to pop, thank you, I see your hand there as well. The Lord honours this. Thank you, I see your hand too. Thank you. Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you, I see your hand too. Yes, I see yours as well. And so does Jesus. This is just an outward sign. I see your hand too, sir. Thank you. This is an outward sign of an inward posture. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would extend, I see your hand, you would extend your great grace to all those that have responded. Pour down your grace upon them. They want to come back to your first love, the thing that is going to position us for the future, the thing that is going to position us for all of life is your love for us and us being able to reciprocate that to you. Lord, honour those that have placed their hand in the air and be with them. Thank you, sir. Father, I pray for a great move of the Holy Spirit to occur. A great move of the Holy Spirit. Church, the Holy Spirit is at work in this day and age. I want you to open your eyes for a second. I've just prayed for those that put their hand in the air. I want to say in all seriousness, in all seriousness, you and I are living at one of the most significant times in human history. We are about to embark in a massive transition globally. Huge. Bigger than the Industrial Revolution. Everybody is commenting, no one knows what it looks like. But one thing is for sure, that when there is transition, that is the time where revivals occur. And the Lord is looking for those who are willing to open their hearts and surrender their lives fully to him. This little fella here, I don't want to miss out on what God is doing. And I'm positioned for a day like none other in my whole life. Now, if I could choose a time to live, it wouldn't be now. I would have choose the end of the Second World War because that's when jazz music was really cool. 
and I'm a jazz musician. But the Lord had me born now when the music is horrendous. No, I'm kidding. But I haven't determined the time or place that I should live. The Lord has. And he determined that place, as it says in Acts 17, so that others would reach out, seek and find him. This church is significant. I can feel it. But it's going to require some of you to get uncluttered and come back to that first love. You ready? Who would like more of the Holy Spirit? Put your hands heavenward. In fact, stand to your feet. Because you're in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus is present. Do not hold back. Lift your hands heavenward. Father, I'm praying for this church, this body of believers, this beautiful local congregation in the mighty town of Adelaide. Father, I pray that you would pour down your Holy Spirit into each person, that you would give gifts of the Holy Spirit, words of knowledge, prophecy, miracles, signs and wonders, the gift of evangelism. Lord, I pray that you would unlock and do an incredible work in this place, Lord. Not for our sake, Lord, but for your name's sake. Visit us, we pray. Visit us, pray. Could we get the musicians here right now? Let's pray in the Spirit for a second. We need a new Pentecost, Lord. We need the windows of heaven open above us. We need the power of heaven. We need to receive that which you're bringing from heaven, Lord God. For what we have is not enough. We need far more of you, O Lord, O God, our King of kings and our Lord of lords. Jesus, Jesus, visit us, we pray. I want you to think about your friends and neighbours who are not believers. Begin to pray for them right now. Let's worship the Lord. Let's worship Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, what a great word, considering we've just done a series on revival and just praying and believing that God is going to send a revival. But we know that revival doesn't come necessarily by seeking revival. It comes by seeking God. It starts in us. And, and it begins by stilling our spirit so we can hear the knock. And the biggest challenge for all of us is we're so distracted and there's so much clutter. And you've heard me say that it's this picture that I've had as we've been praying through January is it's, um, I talked about it during the week with, with some people, but, you know, Jesus is preaching <laughs> in the church. It's this picture of the church. Jesus is preaching and, and we're in the corner on our phones. <laughs> You've got to send a text, you know, we're distracted. But I just pray, you know, each of the letters finishes with a verse. It says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. I pray we would have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to us as a church. And I believe it's been a word from God. How many people have been blessed today by the word of God? Amen. <laughs> Father, we just thank you for your word. I just pray that it will become a revelation that will influence how we live so that we'll walk out of this place changed, different.
because we heard the word of the Lord today. We love you. Use us for your glory, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name.